Hey, what's up? My name is Stephen, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Awesome. Awesome. Let's give God one more hand clap, man. Worship was incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Jonathan changed that last song on Friday night. Aren't you glad he did? Come on, Holy Spirit's moving. Hey, awesome. So glad to see everyone. Are you glad to be in church? Come on, I know we've asked you a thousand times, but tell us one more time. It's good, right? And it's not because of anything we're doing, but it's because of God's goodness. And so just want to thank you guys for being here, being obedient, getting up, getting your kids ready, getting dressed, getting here this morning. I know sometimes it can be an obstacle course to get to church, right? But we don't do it because of anything that we need, but we do it really because of how great our God is. And so let me introduce myself in case you're new. Uh, my name is Stephen, and my wife and I and my family, along with an incredible team, we started Avenue Church um, back on January the 17th in the middle of a pandemic, and it has been a roller coaster ride, right, team? Come on. And so if you joined us today for the first time, we're honored that you're with us. Can we give all of our guests a hand this morning? We know... Come on, we know that there are a lot of incredible churches in Murfreesboro. We visited a ton of them, and we're not here saying we're better, but we're here joining them in the work that they're already doing because we know that there is a harvest in the city and in this community, and we want to make as much room in the kingdom as possible. And so if you're a guest with us, we want to stay connected with you, and there's two ways to help us to do that, you can fill out a digital connection card by texting the word Avenue Connect to 97000. You'll get a link that has a connection card at the top. If you'll click on that and give us as much or as little contact information as possible, um, or if you want to write it down, we've got connection cards at our tent on your way out. We also have a gift that we want to give you just to say thanks for spending your morning with us. And if Avenue Church is home, uh, you can still use that link each and every single week just to stay up to date on everything that's going on here at Avenue Church. We've got a couple of things going on. Um, first is next Saturday. Everybody say next Saturday. Uh, we're partnering with a ministry called Greenhouse Ministries for their mobile food pantry. They do this about once a quarter to where they distribute groceries um, throughout the community. And so you can sign up for that through the link that you get uh, by texting Avenue Connect as well. It starts at about 745. I know that may be early on a Saturday. We like to sleep in on a Saturday, right? Um, or um, it goes from 745 to about noon. And so we're just going to be handing out groceries, connecting with people. And then on May 2nd, everybody say May 2nd. May 2nd, we've got two big things going on, all right? The first big one is we are moving to one service. Come on. I'm so excited about that for more, like multiple reasons. One, when we had the idea of planting a church, I didn't have the plan of doing two services. But because we weren't able to put as many chairs in here as what this space can hold, we had to do two services to make room for everyone. Uh, the struggle with that is we were running two services.
services with about 40 to 45 people. And so that's been a long haul. And our team, our A-teams have done an incredible job. So from me to you guys, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, the other thing is that that kind of gives us a little breathing room because we get here at 6 and then like today we'll leave around 2.30, 3 o'clock. Um, so it makes for a long Sunday. The other thing is that gets the family all in one room which I'm excited about because there are people that come to the first service that you guys probably have never met. And if you only come to the second service, they've never met you. And so I'm excited about bringing everyone around the table at the same time. So May 2nd, 10 o'clock, mark it in your calendars, mark it on your phone, set a reminder. So we're going to switch. We're going to cut the difference. All right. Some of you, you know, like, I want to keep it at 11 because I get to sleep in. Right. And our nine o'clock folks are like, I kind of want to get it over with. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They're not that way, but they probably are. Okay. Um, So we're going to split the difference and do 10 o'clock. And then, you know what, as, as we grow, um, and we have to move back to two services. We'll have more people on our team, right? Because you guys are going to join our team and help us out with two services. Or even better, we find a bigger location. Come on, so put that, put that on your prayer wall. So the other big thing that's happening on May 2nd is we're having our first baptism Sunday. Now, I'm super, super pumped about that because my middle daughter is going to get baptized. So excited about that. She's been wanting to do it since we moved here, and, but she, she wants to do it, like be our first baptism like on a Sunday. So she's going to be the one. So if you wanted to be first, you got to get to the back of the line, chief. No, but here's, here's the thing. So if you've been walking with us and you've made a commitment, we've had 38 people make a commitment to Christ since we started. And what we find happen so often is that we miss the next step or we make an excuse why not to take the next step, which is baptism. Now we do not believe that you are not saved if you're not baptized. Okay. You find that out in growth track. But we do believe that God has more for you. And with each step that you take, he reveals a little more of himself and he allows you to operate at a little different level. And we believe that baptism is another one of those steps where you grow in your relationship and your walk. And so I wanna encourage you, if you've not been baptized, take that next step with us. You won't be alone. There'll be other people. We're going to celebrate it. It's going to be after the 10 o'clock service on that second. Um, Or maybe you were baptized, but there's been some years or there's been some life between that baptism and a new commitment that you've made. And you feel like, I just need a fresh start. I just want a clean page. And that may be you. There's like God is completely okay with you getting rebaptized because sometimes we can be hesitant, like, well, I'm not a real Christian if I have to get baptized again. Did the first one not? No, it doesn't. None of that matters. Hear me. None of that matters. All that matters is what God wants to do in your life right now. And for some of you, that may be taking the next step of baptism, okay? To sign up for that is Avenue Connect at 97,000, all right? Everything, that's kind of our digital uh, bulletin. You guys go to churches where they have the bulletins that they pass out? Yeah, we don't have that. We have Avenue Connect at 97,000, all right? All right, so open up your Bibles. You guys ready? Let's dig in. You ready to dig in? Um, Let's open up to the book of John. We're gonna go to chapter 14, and we're finishing up. Next week will be our last message in this I Am series to where we're looking at how Jesus describes himself in detail, how he wants us to relate to him, how we can operate in relationship with him. And so he makes these seven I am statements that define his nature um, and his character. And we've done five of those. Today's the sixth one. If you want to know the other ones, you can go back and listen 
to the podcast um, you can find on our website. And so he talks about being the bread of life, the light of the world. He talks about being the good shepherd, the gate. Last week was the resurrection and the life. And so um, this week we're going to look where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this conversation takes place in what scholars call the upper room discourse. And really this is the last conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. They spend time talking. He spends time praying for them and actually for us as well. And so we're going to start in John chapter 14. And I'm going to read in, I'm going to start on verse 1, but then starting on verse 3 will be on the screen. And so Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, trust in God and trust also in me. There's a nugget right there. If you, if you don't want your hearts to be troubled, the antidote to that is trusting in Jesus. He says, there is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And when everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always, come on, somebody say always, always be with me where I am. And you know the way to go to where I'm going. And then Thomas, who's always doubting, he's saying, no, no, hold up. We don't know, Lord. He says, we have no idea where you're going or how we're going to get there. How can we know the way? And Jesus makes a statement. Let's say it together. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he says, no one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. And then Philip, because we're never satisfied, he said, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Philip is, you know, echoing a lot of things we say in our life, in our heart, in prayers. Like, God, if you just do one more thing, I'll be satisfied. If you just show me one more thing, if you just show up one more time, then I'll, satisfy, like, I'll be satisfied and I will believe. And these guys have been walking with Jesus for two and a half, almost three years at this point. They've seen him, you know, multiply bread, raise the dead. Just last week, they saw him raise Lazarus from the dead and still they're not satisfied, and that's how we can be sometimes, right? We're always asking God, I believe if you just do one more thing. God, just one more thing, and, and I will believe. And he makes this statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And this is part of Jesus' last night with his disciples. He's just washed their feet. He's about to be arrested. This is the time of the Passover. He's about to be crucified. And he spends these last few moments with his disciples really trying to get them to understand who he is and, more importantly, who he wants to be in their life and who he wants them to be. And we're going to look at these three statements, the way, the truth, and the life, because they're, they're really bold. When you think about it in this context, and especially in today's context, to um, solidify yourself as the only. Because when he says the word the in front of those three other words, he's basically saying, I'm it and nothing else. Like, no one else is the way. Nothing else is the way. No one else is the truth. Nothing else is the truth. Nothing else is life. I am the only one. So we'll talk about that, but I also want to help um, bring you guys into how this is one of our visionary verses. It's one of the foundational verses, verses that, that we hold and, and why we do what we do. Okay? Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 is another one. And it's really a verse that I've walked in ministry a long time with. And the prophet Jeremiah says this. He says, 
This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find what? You will find what? Rest for your souls. And I look at where we are in an, at, at, at a nation. And as a world, as a culture, as families, as husbands, as wives, as employees, as moms and dads, as students, that 2020, like when, when, when I referenced last year, I don't reference 2020. Anybody else do that? Like when I reference last year, I'm referencing 2019. Like I've told so many people we moved here last year. And then I think it was like, no, it was August of 2019. We've been here almost two years. But 2020 took a lot out of us. And you, you've heard me say this, like there's, there's tired and then there's soul tired. And Jeremiah is speaking to that soul tired, that the only way we can have that true rest for our souls is to walk in the old godly way. So we see that in Jeremiah 6. And then we see Jesus make this declaration here in John 14 where he says what? He says what? I am the way. I am the truth. And so I believe that this prophet Jeremiah was foreshadowing and proclaiming that Jesus would be the way that we would need to walk in and walk with in order to have this. And when you look up the definition of avenue, it means a way of entering a place or a solution to a problem. And so when we look at Avenue, we believe Jesus is not just a way, a better way, another way, that, that he is the only way, the only avenue of entering that rest with the Father. And we believe that he is not just a solution or one solution or a better solution, but he is the solution, the best, the only solution. Amen? And so we want to introduce people to that. And Jesus came to offer that. And really what he was doing in this is he was answering like three, three thoughts and three questions that we just have as humans is, is, is we're looking for direction in life, right? I remember being 24 and trying to decide what I was going to do with the rest of my life and was hoping to get it all figured out and thought I would by 40. And sometimes I'm like, God, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? All right, right now I'm starting a church. I'm doing that right now. All right, but we're always looking for direction on what to do next. And he's giving direction here. And, and we're looking for truth, like, like what's truth? We're trying to find that. And then we're looking for something that's going to outlast us, outlast life. And so he's answering that. And so we're going to look at, at these three things. So let's look at, he says, I am the way. So he says, I'm going to prepare a place, and then you'll know the way, and you'll know where you're supposed to go. And Thomas is like, wait, we have, wait, Lord, what do you, what? We have no idea where you're going. And he, this is a bold statement, because it's in reference to eternity. It's in reference on, on how to get to the Father. And he's basically making a statement, and I hope I say this right, of exclusivity, and saying that this is it. And so we have this mentality that we can't leave everyone else out. And we have this mentality and in culture and society in this world today that there's multiple ways to get to heaven. And one of the greatest like reasons, well, if someone is just a, what kind of person? Good person. Like why would God send a good person to hell? That good person doesn't have a relationship with him. Why would that good person want to spend the rest of eternity with him, right? Would you want to spend forever with someone that you didn't know? No. And so really, when you think about it, he's kind of doing us a favor. Not really. 
But that's like Jonathan said last week uh, at our Bible study that the door to hell is locked from the inside. And we think it's locked from the outside. But the key to unlocking that door into eternity with the Father is through Jesus because he is the only way. There's not multiple ways. You can't be good enough. You can't serve enough. You can't do enough. You can't be right enough. The only way is a relationship with Jesus. And so that is a bold statement that he's making. And Paul echoes this in Acts chapter four. He says, there is salvation in, what does it say? No one, no one else. God has given no other name under heaven, which we must be saved. And he's made this statement multiple times throughout this study. It's like, he's the only way. So what does that look like for us? All right, so for us, we believe that, that the way to Jesus and through Jesus is by experiencing God's love. We want individuals that walk through this door to know the way is not by what they've done, but it's by experiencing what God has already done through Jesus. And to know someone is to have experiences with them. Because you can say that you know someone, but you don't really know them, right? Like they're an acquaintance. You know their name. Maybe you know a little bit of their backstory, but you don't know them, know them. To know them, know them is to experience them. To really, listen to me, to really know that you are loved has to move beyond being told that you are loved. Would you agree? Because we've all heard those stories, and maybe you've experienced it, where someone in a relationship says, on the day we were married, I told you that I loved you. If that changes, I'll let you know. But then they go through the relationship without ever experiencing that love. Guess what the person on the receiving of that end feels? Unloved. Because love is not just something to be known, but it is something to be experienced. And we want you, anyone who walks through that door at any point, we want them to walk into this, into this church, into this family, and experience God's love. Ephesians 3.18, Paul is writing to the church of Ephesus, and he says this. He says, listen, we want you to know how wide, how long, how deep, how high God's love is, that it's, it's bigger than what you could wrap your mind around. But he says, may you experience it even though you can never fully understand it. See, last week we celebrated Easter and Good Friday a couple days before. Like we can never fully understand the amount of passion and compassion and love that would draw someone to give up his life for someone else. And if, and if we were to be honest and look around this room, don't look, right? If we were to look around this room, could you say, I would give my life for the person on the other side of that room? Most of us, probably not. And you can try to be self-righteous and say, oh yeah, I would. But you wouldn't because that's our flesh nature. No shame. I don't want you to feel any shame or any guilt, but that's just, that's just where we're flawed. But Jesus gave his life out of love for us. We can't understand it, but we can experience it. And I had this thought, it says, Jesus is the way the Father gets to us but he is also the way that we get to the Father. Jesus is the way the Father gets to us, but he also is the way that we get to the Father. So many other different religions, it's all about doing, it's all about striving, it's all about how can we attain, how can we get there, how can we work our way up the mountain, up the hill, 
but instead our God came down to us, amen? And the only way we can walk in relationship with him is through Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way. Then he says this, I am the truth. And he just didn't speak truth, tell the truth. He was the embodiment of truth in flesh. And we are so quick to believe anything, right? And social media and news, and we're always fact-checking. And we had like a real-life example of that this morning. It's like, you guys know DMX died a couple days ago, right? You guys know who DMX is? Some of you are like, yeah, I used to work out with him like back in the day in college. Not really, but like, <laughs> like, like he, was, he was keeping me pumped, right? But a couple days ago, he OD'd and was put on life support, and then it was all over social media that DMX died. And then right after that, his manager posted and said, DMX didn't die. So DMX is still alive. I didn't get the same response. This morning, I was like, what? We had more DMX fans in the first service than we did second service. So you guys are the righteous ones, right? <laughs> but, but, but everyone was like, what? And so, so, so we go, because you can fact check anything. And so we had a couple people was like, no, man, DMX is still dead. Look, it's right here. But then you keep Googling and it's somewhere else. Like the news articles came out and some of you are Googling it right now. I see your eyeballs. The news articles came out on the same day. He's dead. Nope, he's still alive. So like, we don't know. Like, it's so hard to find truth today. Would you agree? It's so hard. Like, and, and I'm the type of guy, like, I just almost believe anything, right, babe? Like, I'm super naive. Like, you could be an ax murderer, and I would invite you over to dinner because I just think you're the nicest guy ever, right? But we have a hard time just in general believing truth. And Jesus comes and says, look, if you want to believe in something, believe in me. And like, one of the greatest truths that, that, that we want to know is, is what, what is God like? And Jesus says, if you want to know what the Father looks like, if you want to know the nature, the character of our Heavenly Father, you know that because you've seen me. And so don't go and listen. I will do my best to preach the word to you without error. But guess what? I'm flesh. I'm a man. And so I may at times get it wrong. But you know what you can do? You can go back and read God's word and see what God is like for yourself by reading about Jesus. And so Jesus makes a statement in, in verse nine. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Want to know the nature of God? Know Jesus. You want to know the nature of God? Know Jesus. Read about Jesus. The other truth that, that we want to help people address, because we understand that, that how we view God and how we understand God has an effect on how we view ourselves and how we understand ourselves. And the other greatest question that we are always asking is, who am I? What's my identity? And it goes all the way back to the beginning, that in the beginning, God created mankind in whose image? His own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so when the enemy comes into the garden, when Satan comes into the garden as a snake, he attacks two things, those two truths. He attacks what is God like and who are you? He says, God doesn't really want you. Like, like did God really say not to eat that apple first? He's saying, God's a liar. But Jesus says, no, I'm the truth, right? And he says, God's afraid that if you eat that apple, he'll become, you'll become like him. Guess what? He's questioning who God is, his nature, and he's questioning your identity. That's what he comes at 
with us. And so we want to help people walk in the truth of who God is, but then also who they are. And so we want you to find your identity in Christ, not in anything else. We don't want you to find it in a platform, in a position. We don't want you to find it in influence. We don't want you to find it in a bank account, in a relationship. We don't want you to find it in anything, but we want to help you find a relationship that is rooted or find an identity that is rooted in who Christ is. Since God created mankind in whose image? His image. So guess whose image you're created in? His image. And what the enemy likes to do is come and whisper to get you to doubt that. And so what we do in turn is we try to find confidence. We try to find purpose. We try to find all these things and find all that in someone or something other than Christ. And we're all guilty of it, whether you're walking in this door for the first time or you're the pastor on the stage giving the message today. Because like one of the things that, that I'm fighting now, as, and I didn't think like this, this would be something, but I'm fighting not to build my identity now on a church. That's how the enemy creeps in. It's like, oh, you're not, you're not as successful. You see those other pastors on Instagram, they're blowing it up. They had 600 on Easter. How many did you have? It's like, it's, it's not about that. But it's about what Christ is in me. And there's actually a scripture in Colossians that says that, that I can remember it, don't go around looking around. Instead, look up. Look up at what Christ is doing in heaven. And it says that your real life is hidden in Christ. It's not hidden in anything else, but it's hidden in your relationship with Christ. And so we want you to walk in that. We want you to walk in the truth of who God is and who you are in him. And so the third thing he says, he says that I am the life. And he makes us this statement in every one of the seven statements that we've looked at and that we will look at. He says, I am the bread of what? Life. And he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever has me has what? Life, And then he says, I am the gate. If you enter through me, you have life. I am the good shepherd. I have come that you might have a rich and satisfying. Last week, he says, I am the resurrection and the, see? And sometimes looking, like from the outside looking in, we think that being a Christian and, and going to church and being a follower of Jesus is all about losing your life. And there is a life that you lose, but you gain a life that is so much greater. And sometimes we think that it's all about a get out of hell free card, <laughs> that it's like, man, I'm saved, so I know I get to spend eternity with Jesus. And, you know, I was joking this morning, it's like some people are so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good, and they just want to say, well, we all get to heaven. Oh, what a glorious day it will be. It's not, not right. I didn't sing a lot of hymns growing up, <laughs> right? <laughs> and it's a good thing I'm not on the worship team, right, team? It's like, Absolutely. But it's not just about life on the other side, but God wants us to live a life of purpose on this side. And so we want you to help you, we, we, we want to help you live out your purpose. We want to do that because we believe that, that God's put every single one of us here for a reason. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece. Everyone say masterpiece. It says he's created us new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And so here's the thing. God has something for you to do, not just dream about. Because sometimes we can get so caught up in dreaming about doing it 
and maybe afraid that what if we fail, we don't do it. Or maybe we look at someone else's purpose and what someone else is doing and we think, well, my purpose may not be as great as theirs, so I'm not going to do it. And so we bury it and we have missed opportunities to see lives change. But above that, above what you're supposed to do, it's more about who you're supposed to be. And the greatest purpose that you have is to be like Christ. And that comes by walking in relationship with him. That comes in following his truth. And everything else falls into place along the way when we keep the main thing the main thing. And that's what he's saying. Look, there's nothing else. Guys, he's telling the disciples, look, because he knows he knows what they're going to face. He knows what they're about to experience, that once he's gone, they're going to feel alone, but really they're not alone. But they know in their moments when they feel alone that they're going to struggle on what to do. And he's bringing the compass back and the direction back to keep them focused. It's me, guys. It's me. I'm the way. Believe in what I said Believe in the life that I give you. Let that be the motivation of everything else that you do. And so that brings us to where we are today and what we want to see happen as a church and for your life. That we want you to walk in the right way. And some of you that are here today, you may have tried a thousand different ways to fix your life. You may have tried behavior modification. Behavior modification doesn't work permanently, but heart transformation does. And the heart transformation can only take place by walking in relationship with Jesus. And maybe you've believed a bunch of lies about yourself and you have all these doubts and insecurities about who you are and how people see you and how you think about yourself and, and that distorts how you view God and, and all these different things because you're believing the wrong truth. And I'm asking you today, would you listen to Jesus and believe the truth because he is the truth? And then maybe you're like at a point where you're feeling like I'm too young to do anything of purpose. And maybe you're feeling like I'm too old to do anything of purpose. You can look at a 16-year-old that was the mother of our Savior and you look at a 100-year-old that was the father of a nation. You're never too young. You're never too old. You're never inexperienced enough. You're never too experienced. God can use you exactly where you are as you're walking in relationship with him. But it starts with the first step. And so I want us to do this. We do this every week. I want us to, to, to get our hearts right with our eyes closed and, and, and our heads bowed. And maybe you're here today and like you just need to experience something real. There is nothing more real in this world than the love of Christ. And you can experience it unconditionally. You don't have to do anything except say yes. And when you say yes to Jesus, that affects the truths that you begin to believe about yourself and about God. And that affects the purpose and the direction and the life that you go. And we want you to walk out the life God has for you. That's why we say we want people to experience the way of life. They were created, not just called, not just meant, but created to live. Not in a job, not in a marriage, but in Christ. And that starts with saying yes to Jesus. That starts with saying, I'm sorry. Jesus, forgive me. That starts with saying, God, I can't do this on my own. My way doesn't work. So I'm going to try your way. And that simply says, Jesus, I need you. 
And if that's your heart this morning and you, you need to say, Jesus, I need you. It's as simple as that. Sometimes we complicate it so much. And if you're saying that in your heart today, would you just acknowledge that by lifting your hand, saying, Jesus, I need you. Just another moment. It's just a simple motion on the outside of something that's taking place on the inside. Just, Jesus, I need you. raised your hand or you raised your heart because sometimes it's hard to get that connection from the heart to the hand to move. That raising of the hand is just a step. It doesn't save you. It's just acknowledging, hey, I need some help, right? I need some help. And what we're about to do in a moment is we're going to pray and, and that's actually the process that you use to enter into the salvation that's already there for you because Christ has already done all the work. And you're simply at this point, you're just opening your hand and you're receiving what he's already given you, that life that he wants for you. And it's not my words, you don't repeat after me, but in your own words, you simply say, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I trust you, I give you my life. I'm, I wanna do my best to follow you, lead me, guide you. I believe that you died for me. And whatever that looks like for you, and that's not all that you'll say over the course of your life, over the course of the day, over the course of the week, but it's a start. So let's pray together. Father, we just come to you this morning and I'm grateful for those that raise their hands or even those that raise their hearts. And God, you know what they're facing. God, you know their struggles, their trials, their insecurities, their successes. And God, in this moment, we have people all in this room that have acknowledged that they've tried their way and their way doesn't work. So they're trusting in your way. They've listened to other truths, but they've been lies. And we're listening to your truths. We've tried to pursue purpose outside of you, but we're pursuing it in you. And so God, right where they're seated, God, hear their prayers. I know that you hear their prayers. So God, let them experience your love right now. God, let them know that they are loved, that, that all the, the, the guilt and all the shame because of what they've done or what they believe about themselves is covered in your blood, is covered by, by your forgiveness, that our sins, as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again, and that you forgive us in those moments. God, for the rest of us who maybe aren't following as close as we should, God, we've allowed distractions and discouragements and routines and schedules to get in our way of relationship with you. And maybe we've forgotten your voice or forgotten your face and your heart. God, bring us to a place to remind us of that so that we walk closer to you. Father, we thank you for this day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone says, come on, amen. Come on, I love it, I love it. It's